Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Christopher Friend. So Christopher got his bachelor's degree in business administration from the American Military University. He then graduated from MIT Sloan School of Management with an executive certification in strategy and innovation. He then got his master's degree at Harvard University in general management, and then since spent 15 years as a business and product launch consultant, helping over a thousand businesses. And he is now the owner and founder of Growth Through Love, which is a nonprofit organization that believes in a purpose-driven approach to business growth. Their mission and management system are both focused on helping small business owners grow through love. So I've asked him to join us here today so we can understand how to love our businesses and ourselves more as we grow. So Chris, how are you doing, my friend? It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. That's quite the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's a it's a pleasure to be here. I somewhere along the way I stopped um, I stopped introducing myself. It was it's so interesting to to just the the dynamic of introductions, the dynamic in in speaking, the dynamic when you look at and not to get too esoteric too early. Yeah. But you know, in business, so much of business is is about elitism. Oh yeah. So it's monkey tribe game. You know. Yeah, totally. And it's, and so I stopped completely, you know, even talking about, you know, what schools I went to or what jobs I've done or whatever, because so much of it is just trying to be elite and being elite is getting your sense of value by comparing yourself to someone else. How messed up is that? Right. Yep. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and and grow and love is the opposite of that and that's so much about what growth through love is about and is is it's about love not elitism it's about radical inclusion not yeah. exclusivity you know we we want to help people yep 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 i love that because that's part of my philosophy i i mean i didn't come up with this but i believe that problems are markets and that a business exists to solve a problem for someone i'm hungry a restaurant yeah i'm bored uh, my teeth hurt and that, so a business should be serving the community and solving problems for people. And so I love that so much. Yeah. There's, there's really only two ways to go about it as an entrepreneur. And one is, you know, I, I'm going to figure out how to make money to get that car that I don't need. Right. And that's not, that's not fun. Like that, yep. that's just a, that's just a hamster wheel. You're going to be running on until you get bored and figure out that okay, what am I even doing? I've been running on this hamster wheel for 50 years and now I'm having a midlife or end of life crisis and I've realized I, I, I didn't really do anything with my yeah. life. Yeah. And the other yeah. way to be an entrepreneur is just to say, it is, it is literally my job to figure out how to make people feel loved. Yeah. How do I make my customers feel more loved? How do I make my team feel more loved? How do I make my prospects feel more loved? That's my whole job is just spreading love into the world authentically. I love that. I love that. That's how I got into business coaching. I had a martial arts school at the time. This isn't supposed to be a call about me, but I do want to share this. I had a martial arts school at the time. I was teaching, teaching Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, and I loved the testimonials and the stories I was getting and the impact I was having on people's life and lives. And a friend of mine upstairs 
he was another business owner. I had other business owner friends, but I would help them and they would get results. And I, cause I was spending all my money on business coaching and masterminds and conferences and books and all. And then I realized that in my own martial arts school, I had a couple hundred members and that yeah. my friends business, they had a couple hundred customers. And I realized yeah. that if I just focused on helping business owners, I would have an exponential impact on the world through helping them and their customers and their staff and their vendors. And that's what originally got me into this was that, was that, that leveraged impact. I mean, there's nothing wrong with helping. If you really want to know what that leveraged impact looks like, I'll just like, I'm an analytics guy. So this is, this is the way that I, I, I broke it down. There's 7 billion people in the world, right? Okay. Give or take. All right. And with 7 billion people, my, the, the true mission of growth through love is to have a positive impact on the culture of the world, right. make the world a more loving place by teaching businesses to drive love into the world. So if you look at 7 billion people and you look at to actually have an effect on the culture of the world, you need to touch at least 1% of the world, right? Okay. So that's 70 million, right? Okay. The average footprint of a company, this, these are small companies, is give or take, we're putting it at about 5,000, okay. right? So you look at you look at 70 million divided by 5,000, you get 14,000. So okay. our current benchmark that we're shooting for at Growth Through Love is we want 14,000 companies to be using our management system and proactively focusing on driving love into the world and growing their businesses from the heart. I love that. And we'll, we'll be touching 1% of the world and actually creating a more loving world. I love that. So I love that so much. So let me, let me try to dial things back a bit. Because it's so fantastic, but how did you even get started? How did you even decide to get into business? Why aren't you, I don't know, why aren't you a teacher? Why did you take a different path? Why did, like, how did you get going? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? You know, one of my very first memories ever, like on planet Earth, I was in the backseat of my parents' minivan. And I remember asking my dad, dad, can you teach me about business? And my dad he doesn't know anything about business. He, you know, he worked for the government. He, he just kind of looked back at me and he's like, I don't know, buy low and sell high. And I go, okay. This is literally like one of my first memories. I'm like so little. Yeah. Like, okay. And then I remember I went and got a wagon and I put my mom's cooler in that wagon and I went over to the store and I got 25 cent sodas and I filled it up with ice. And then I went around to the construction workers with my wagon I sold the sodas for a dollar. And I remember walking up to this construction site, all these big old burly construction guys, this little kid walking up, I'm like, I got ice cold sodas. And they look over at me and they're like, oh, how much? I'm like a dollar. He looks at me, he goes, I can go over to the store and get them for a quarter. I'm like, yeah, but these are ice cold and they're right here. <laughs> and he just smiles and he goes, I'll take five. And I go, That's perfect. So I give him five sodas and he hands me a $5 bill. And I remember when I was walking away, he goes, he goes, hey kid, what are you going to do with the money? And I go, I just look back and I go, I'm going to buy low. I'm going to sell high. <laughs> <laughs> and he just laughed and he's like, kid, you're going to be all right. And I, and that was one of my first memories. I've, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, not because, you know, it's something that I do. It's just really part of who I am. I, I love it. You know, and, and and the way that I was raised is that, you know, my 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 passion is is business, but my purpose is love. Got it. Okay. So now what were some of the biggest challenges? I mean, it sounds like you had a great 
starting point, but I, was it just linear growth the whole way through? Did you have some big obstacles? Looking back in hindsight, was there like a, mm. like I had to learn this first and then I learned this and then this in terms of developing yourself as an entrepreneur? Good question. You'll, you'll find that with most answers that I give, I like to tell stories. Sure. Um, I find that, that stories teach lessons and they're a little stickier. So for this one, I'm going to tell this story. Entrepreneurship, for me at least, has been equivalent to, let's, let's say, let's put it like this, all right? So you're a boxer, all right? And you train for six years to get into the circuit and start, start boxing, right? That's called getting an Ivy League master's degree, right? <laughs> right? right? Six years, right? right? And, then, and then you step in the ring, you got your boxing gloves on, you're like, let's do this. You look across the ring and the guy on the other side of the ring, he's got brass knuckles on. And you're like, well, wait a second. That's against the rules before you know it, you're, you're unconscious. Right. You're like, okay. And so then you stand back up and you're like, okay, well, we're taking the gloves off, put some brass knuckles on. I got to toughen up a little bit. Let's do this. You look at the guy on the other side of the ring and he just kicks you in the crotch. And you're just like, you can't do that in boxing. And you just go down. And, and the, the, the number one thing that I've learned is just you just keep getting back up. And every time you get back up, you're a little smarter. You're a little more, you have a little more perseverance right? Because you can't fail unless you quit, right? It's always, it's always a learning unless you quit. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. You just, you just keep like, there's so many times in my career where the only decision I had was to just keep going, was right. to just stand, just stand up. And, and, you know, along the way I've, I've developed so much of what now growth through love is really a representation of, which is conscious entrepreneurship, which is imagine a business community. I wanted to create a tribe, right? Mm -hmm. A tribe of people who are entrepreneurs that believe in love that have all read, you know, Eckhart Tolle or, you know, have all read, you know, power versus force, understand mm -hmm. consciousness and what consciousness even means, yoga, meditation, right? Like actually being mindful. And so Along the way, I've developed these mindfulness practices, and one of the one of the best things that I could provide if I was going to give an actual tangible takeaway to anyone who's listening to this would be, you know, that process of getting up when you get knocked down. So much of that process is about understanding the difference between what is and what is the story that we're writing on top of what is, wow. right? So here's a case in point. I had a business partner. Let's just say I got really screwed over and, and the whole business blew up and it created all these problems in my personal life, professional life, just everything, just terrible, bad situation, right? Anyone who's been an entrepreneur for more than five yeah, minutes that, yeah. has, has enjoyed that, right? right. So when this happened to me, I was very bitter and I used to think about this guy every single day. And I would just, I would just like, man, this guy screwed me over. This guy yeah. just screwed me over. And I started moving into a victim mentality. And yeah. that started to be the frame in which I was viewing the world. Mm. And then I, I worked with some people and, and discovered this methodology. Dale Carnegie, he said, to understand all is to forgive all. Mm. So if, if you have a cut on your arm, you will always think about your arm because right. the cut is just, it's just pounding. And the same is true with thoughts that have painful correlations. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. So you have to do what's called the, the shadow work or the dark work. So 
what I did was I sat and I meditated into that situation. And I really thought about him. And I thought about why did he take the money and, and blow this whole thing up? You know, and then I realized, you know, he took that money because he needed that money for his family. So mm. he put his family above everything. Mm. And I'm like, I understand that. Right. And in a way, I, I kind of appreciate that. Like, I, I could understand that at least, you know, even though it, it wasn't great for everyone else. Right, 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 right. right. I, I could understand that. Once I could understand that, then I was able to say, okay, what came from that? I learned this. I learned this. I, I, that door closed, catapulted me into this door that was open yeah. and all of the good that came from that. So I was able to turn that bitterness by digging in and understanding and then turning that understanding into forgiveness yeah. and that forgiveness into gratitude. Mm -hmm. And by turning negative pressure into positive pressure, I was able to, that thought that would come to my mind every day, every time it came to my mind, after I had done that deep dive, I would think to myself, I'm so thankful for that opportunity for growth. Uh, and I would put positive pressure on it. And it would come to my mind every day. Yep. And then it would come to my mind every week. Then it would come to my mind every month. Then it would completely dissipate. and It would never mm. come to my mind again. And it was fully healed. And there was no more cut on my arm. And I never think you never think about thoughts where there's no cut. Right, 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 right. I love that. I love that. So you also have some really good practical stuff to focus on. What would you recommend to someone who are just starting out or struggling right now? Like if someone's in it and they're, I got this business, I'm trying to grow or, and you know, where, where do they begin? There's so many things. Do they read another book? Do they go to another seminar? Is there? Absolutely. What do they do? Absolutely. That's a great question. Let me ask you this question. Here's, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your question with a question. <laughs> and, and this question is, if you've ever read the book, The One Thing, which is a yeah. great book. The question is, what's the one thing in my business that if I did it would make everything else easier? Yeah, I love that. That's the question. And yeah. that question comes down to the 80-20 principle. Right. Mm -hmm. The 80-20 principle is everything in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're overwhelmed, it's because you think of like all of these activities as dominoes sitting on a table and you're okay. running out there trying to tip these dominoes and you don't, you're just chasing them all, right? When in fact, you need to put the dominoes in a linear line yeah, yeah, and chase yeah. them one at a time, yeah. putting 100% of your focus into the lead domino. What's my number one constraining point? Fix it, I rinse and repeat, Bottom rinse up. and repeat, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the whole theory day. of constraints. It's all about the bottlenecks. Right. And, and so when you look at what that one thing is, in almost every small business, it's the same, right? I've done this a lot of times, right? And that is, this is the core problem. How do we organize our time and money, our resources, to maximize growth? That's the question, right? I'm overwhelmed. If I answer that question, I cannot be overwhelmed, <laughs> right? So how do I organize my time and money, my resources to maximize growth? Now, now, Steve Jobs said, if you do a good enough job of defining the problem, you pretty much have the solution, right? So if you look at, the, if you look at that problem again, you'll, you'll really identify it, okay? How do I organize my time and money resources to maximize growth. Now, of course, the key word there is organize. 
Right. Organization is the lead domino to business growth because the more organized you are, the more effective your execution, the more effective your execution, the faster your growth. And that's why I always recommend people start with a management system. Don't just shoot from the hip trying to figure out what you need to do. Work from a predefined framework that says, hey, we need to do this first. We need to do this second. We need to do this third, right? And, and just as a, kind of a, like a, an aha moment for your, for your, for your listeners, you know, if you're trying to think, what, what do I need to do first? Right. What do I need to do second? Like, I would love to kind of understand what that looks like. Well, I love building business models and I run two-year cash flow projections on every idea I have with every single client we work with because I want to know if we do A, what does the return on investment look like over a two-year period? What does our cash flow exposure look like? What does our return look like, right? And how much risk are we taking? A versus B versus C. And as I started to run these business models and do a ton of business models or, or really decision modeling, right? Because right. as a business owner, your job is to make the right decision. That's like your primary job <laughs> is to make correct decisions, right? If you can model, yeah, if you can model those cash flow projections out, you can make objective decisions based on hard numbers. And of course, the hard numbers have assumptions and biases built into them, but you're aware of those assumptions and biases and you're not acting emotionally, right? So after building, I don't know, thousands of these business models, I built a framework that helps, it acts as a shortcut, okay? So this framework is is called the money tree, all right? And the money tree looks like this. Every single, well, first of all, Albert Einstein said, we need to make things as simple as possible, but no simpler, right? Right. Constantly thinking of that. You know, when, when I started modeling, I was doing all these really complex models and I was like really impressing people, but I was realizing I'm not really helping them. Right. Right. So then I started making way simpler models. So now literally everyone that I work with or everyone that we work with at Growth Through Love builds business models. And my star student is literally a chocolatier. She makes chocolate. She has nothing to do with spreadsheets, but she built a, she showed me her business model and she goes, if we, if we go from B to C to B to B, we could take our per customer value and 10 exit. And you know what happens when you 10 X your per customer value, you 10 X your company. And I'm just (laughs) looking at her. I'm like, you win, you win. You're you're a chocolatier and you just did the best business model pivot I've ever seen. So, you know, making it really simple, but to, to kind of give you a shortcut, I developed this system around revenue growth. So if you're chasing a lot of things and you, and you're, you're, if you, this is for people who are running small businesses who are in very much like overwhelm and they feel like they're doing a lot of activity, but they're not seeing a lot of revenue growth. So here's a, here's a, here's an amazing tip for you. All right. So here's a shortcut, right? Number one, Understand that there are only two ways. Now, now let me let me rewind real quick. Everything I'm about to say is regarding revenue growth, not business growth. Business right. growth is a lot of other things. There's HR, there's compliance, there's legal, right. there's all sorts of other stuff. Right. Well, this, this is what makes more money and help more people. Just revenue growth. Right. So with revenue growth alone, there are only two ways to make revenue in an organization. Okay. Number one, get more customers. Right. Number two make each customer worth more money. More. Right. Right. 
And the, the latter is much faster than the former. Right. 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 So we developed this thing called the money tree. All right. The money tree has six branches. And you want to climb the money tree, each of the branches, one at a time. And each of the branches represents a type of way to make revenue in an organization. There are six categories or six branches, six different ways to make money in an organization. And they fold out of those two different ways. Right. 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 All right. And what we want to do is we want to climb the money tree, grab the lowest hanging fruit, the right. fastest cash, cash strategies, right. eat that fruit. Right. And then that fruit will nourish our bodies or nourish our cash flow. And then we can climb a little higher, grab that fruit, get right. it, nourish our cash flow, nourish our bodies. If we try to go straight for the top, right, we're going to starve before we right. get there. Right, right. So here's the six branches the lowest hanging fruit, the fastest way to make revenue in an organization is customer focused strategy. Okay. The fastest way to make money is to keep the money you already have. Right. Right. And go after referrals. This is about retention. This is about reviews. Right. This is about focusing on your current customers. That right. is the fastest way to make money in an organization. Right, right. Right. The next fastest is product focused strategies. Sell more stuff to your current customers. Turn one time sales into monthly reoccurring revenue right? Create loss leader products, right? So notice all of the lowest hanging fruit here, customer and product. All of this is about making your current customers worth more money. Mm -hmm. We haven't even talked about getting more customers yet. Now, so that's the, the bottom branch is customer. Second is product. Third, we're going to move into sales, okay? Sales always makes money before marketing. Anything a salesperson could do. I don't care if you're going to a trade show, networking event, speaking, whatever you're doing, you're getting out there, you are selling, right? Just think of sales as anything a salesperson can do. And there's always kind of a little bit of confusion because sales is two things. It's prospecting and it's closing. Some people think prospecting is marketing, right? Yeah, Yeah, think of prospecting like more direct focused marketing. Right. Uh, it's prospecting like the, opening the sales discussion and then because right. the sales got two parts. Exactly. It's opening yeah. the sale and then it's closing them on it. So that's absolutely that. marketing Dead. is almost just creating an audience of people interested in a topic. And then the we'll third, get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So sales. So again, it's customer, then it's product, then it's sales. Right. And you can already see how like the lowest hanging fruit. You can already like logically think about it in your mind. And you're like, yeah, I can hold on to my current customers and then sell them more stuff <laughs> and then go out and do sales. And then after sales is strategic partnerships. Who has your customer and is not a direct competitor, right? There's all different ways to do strategic partnerships. All right. Now, the next, now we're going to move up into marketing. But there's two different types here. So next is advertising. Okay, this is the hype word right now that everyone likes to talk about, right? Sales funnels. All a sales funnel is, 
is it's advertising running into some sort of offer or conversion mechanism. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're running pay-per-click ads or you're running TV commercials or you got smoke signals going. I'm down here in Guatemala. We do that. <laughs> no, but for real, it's just advertising, yeah. right? So advertising, okay? Last is branding. Brand development. This is website development. This is creating blogs, content creation, building a following on social media. This is search engine optimization. You know, this is this is the highest, furthest from cash flow. And what the aha moment you're probably having right now, the listeners are probably having right now is, oh wow, I'm spending a lot of time at the top of the tree. Right now, now I really want to distinguish this. This tree is not in order of importance. Mm. It's in order of cash flow. What will give you a return on your investment the fastest, mm -hmm. right? And that will help nourish your cash flow to climb a little higher, right? right? Now, you're probably thinking, well, wait a second. I need a website. No, you don't need a website. You need a website version one. Right. <laughs> you got to yeah. get real Real fluent with that. We don't need a social media. We need social media version one. Okay. Right. We're not going to spend too much time on that. Throw up a website, get to selling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. We can't, we can't waste too much time up there because write a blog every week and see how long it takes you to get one customer. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's going to be the path you're doing. You have to ask for the right. money. You have to open the sale and close it. Exactly. And again, it's not about an order of importance. It's about an order of cash flow. And, and what makes it even more confusing for entrepreneurs is that all the people at the top of the tree, advertising and branding, i.e. marketers, the, these people are professionally loud. <laughs> right? Literally, it is their profession to be loud. So that's all you see out there. So when you go out there and you're trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing with my business, all you hear are the people at the top of the tree. So I can't tell you how many business owners have come in to grow through love. I'm like, what did you spend last year on? Yeah. And they're like, oh, we built this $50,000 website and we're not getting any customers. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. you know, because all I'm thinking about is the hockey stick. We invest, we recover our investment, we have a return on our investment mm -hmm. and we're already $50,000 in the hole. So that means I got, we got to figure out a way to make up $50,000 before we even get to zero. <laughs> and, right. and then you know, and and I and I, I plus interest on <laughs> inflation <I>, plus inflation. <laughs> and I, I've seen I had an entrepreneur come in the other day, and and I said they said I go, what have you been working on? They said, oh, you know, we got we hired this whatever marketing guru, and and we're launch and we're we've been running ads. And I said, awesome. And they're like, yeah, but we're losing a ton of money, and I don't know why. I'm said I said, do you even understand your business model? And they're like, what does that mean? And I said. This is what that means. Your average customer is worth $1,000. On your profit and loss, 50% of that money is going to your cost of goods sold. You got to pay for what you're selling. About 15% of that is going to general and admin. 15% of that is going to profit. 25% of that is going to sales and marketing. So that means 25% of your budget goes to customer acquisition. So if your customer is worth $1,000 and you have a 25% budget for sales and marketing, 25% of 1,000 tells you that your customer acquisition budget is $250. Right. But the, 
the funnel you are running right now, if you map the funnel out this many clicks to this many calls to this many closed new customers, and you actually look at how much a cost per click cost and the commission you're paying for those phone calls, your customer acquisition cost is $500 and your customer acquisition budget is $250. That's right. Right. So you're losing, you're upside down $250 on every single customer that you bring in the door because you never took the time to even do your business model before you got started. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that honestly, that brings me to kind of my, like the, my next point, which is this business modeling. This is something that we are currently doing at Growth Through Love. Like I said, we're a nonprofit. So we are doing this business modeling for people. If, if you're interested in figuring out what is my business model, like if you want to go hire a sales and marketing team and you, you don't know what your customer acquisition budget is, you're just going to be throwing money and wasting money. Because if they ask you for $10,000 and you know your customer acquisition budget is $1,000, then you can look at them and say, hey, Here's $10,000, but you better bring me 10 customers back. That's right. That's if, right. You, if you don't know what your customer acquisition budget is, you, you don't even know how to spend money. That's so right. if you, if you want to figure out your business model, we're doing this business modeling for people and we're doing it as a way to raise money to fight child sex trafficking. That is our cause right now. Yeah. We actually just we just brought in a bunch of money for it. We're running these models. Literally, if you just go to growththroughlove.com and you go down, reach out to me on there, and we'll jump on a we'll jump on a call. We'll do a quick chat. And all we're gonna do is we're gonna do business model together. And in exchange for that, you're just gonna make a donation to help us fight human trafficking, which is our cause, which is a thing that our team is so passionate about. So that's, that's, that's what we're doing right now. And we actually just kicked that off recently. And the first, when we first started seeing that money flow in, I can tell you that I cried. I felt, I felt this feeling that nothing in my career mattered until this, this is the most important thing I've done and just going and helping people build business models and helping and allowing them to donate, to fight this, to fight human trafficking. It just felt like, it felt like what we're about at growth through love and and growth through love at its core is it's, is it's find the thing that you love to do and then use that to authentically drive love into others. That is, is how you discover your purpose. Mm, that is that. how you you grow through. I love that. For people listening, Christopher's stuff is awesome. That's part of why I reached out to him. I, I found out what Chris recommended from a good friend, Craig Jacobson, oh. and I found some of his stuff. And I finally just reached out to him because I'm like, his stuff is awesome. Like, I, I love it. So definitely go check out the website. What was it growththroughlove.com? That's that it. it. And sign, sign up it. for it. Sign up for it. It's good. I promise you, not to, not to toot your arm, but it, it, it is legitimately. I love what you said. And, you know, just to speak to a kind of an example of doing this, I know for martial arts, retention is such an important thing. Like I, you mentioned a client, like some people want, like doing so many things in their own world. I just had this client start with me two weeks ago in my team, and he's got a new course he's trying to do, and he's got a book that's number one on Amazon. He's got this JV, and he's trying to do all these things and running, but he's got 3,000 customers. And he doesn't have any clear linear path, step one, step two, step three, like what he sells first, second, third. 
and he's trying to get all these things done. And I just said, let's stop for a minute. Let's analyze your 3000 purchases. Let's find what, well, first of all, let's find your 80, 20 of your customer base. Mm. Who spends the most, who's got the best like lifetime customer value. Let's map the customer journey, modeling this golden path. And let's find out what people typically buy first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Let's establish the hurdle rates between purchases. Yes. And then let's build out that path. And then we can do all the stuff you want to do to get traffic and all that stuff. And then we're going to feed them into this golden journey. You know, the effort got them follow the yellow big road. And so just again, to repeat for people, that's what Chris is talking, Christopher's talking about, about the customer focus, referrals, reviews, retention, keeping the money you've got, not having to get refunds or deal with bad press or word of mouth. Just having an amazing product is, is like, is just such a, it's such a rarity in this day and age. It's not the only thing you need to succeed. But you really need it to keep the people you've got happy. And if you want to have any sort of viral growth, that means customers need to duplicate themselves, which means they have to be ecstatic. Mm. And the next one, product focus, selling more to the people you already got. I mean, it's like it's like if you want to go see a movie, you could ask a friend you just saw a movie with yesterday, or try to meet somebody new who's also into the types of movies you're into and has time to go see a movie tomorrow. Like, it's just easier to go talk to the person you already know, like, and trust. And then you talked about sales and that's just getting out there, having those one-on-one conversations. And, and honestly, as a guy that's been in marketing for 10 plus years, advertising is just salesmanship in print or a digital format. I always use the story about, and I don't know if it's real or not, but how advertising started that in the back in the day, all business owners, unless you had a local business, like a grocer or a butcher or a blacksmith, you were a traveling salesperson, traveling salesman. And one guy, maybe he's got a baby on the way. Maybe he's got an ambitious wife nagging she wants something and he's trying to figure out like how do i get to more doors in a day every day i go to a door i get the same spiel and then he realizes hey if i just wrote this down when i get to a town i could pay some young boys to just run ahead of me and deliver my letters so then at least when i get the doors i'm going through them faster and then what he realizes is that some of these doors because he's already practiced his pitch so well some of these people they're already ready to order and so now he figures out i can put an order form on this thing and now when he's pulling into towns mm. And he's not even going door to door. He's just having letters distributed. And now we've got mail order. And this, this is like the birth in the advertising. But if you don't have that sales, you, you just like, you can spend money and throw things up and see what works. But I'm telling you, if you just get 20 recorded sales calls with prospects, your advertising will be infinitely better because you'll have, you'll know why and the buy buttons and the process and the objection, you'll know all that stuff versus putting up ads driving traffic to websites and looking at heat maps and Google analytics, trying to figure out why, like I've, I've spent an embarrassing amount of money scratching my head, <laughs> looking at heat maps and Google analytics, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should just got them on a call. It, like, <laughs> stupid. And then advertise and then the partnerships and then advertise and then branding. So I love this. Are there any daily disciplines or weekly disciplines that you feel like have served you or your clients? the best well i'll tell you this in life everyone thinks that the pivotal moments in life are the big ones the day you graduate from college or the day that you you know whatever get married you know and 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 those are great and those are big moments but there is one pivotal moment in your life and when you think about playing basketball when you stop dribbling and you're allowed to pivot on one foot you realize that pivoting is or a, a pivotal moment is not about forward momentum. It's about directing your focus. Mm. Your, your pivotal moment in your life 
is your morning routine. That mm-hmm. first hour of your morning, or for me, I do a three-hour morning routine, 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. Yeah. Uh, but 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 then again, I have no kids. Yeah. I'm not married, so I can do a three-hour morning routine. No, but if I have a kid, I got a kid. We do. I'm I'm up at 4:35. I do I do like my meditation. I work out. I'm skipping it today for this interview. They, they snuck by, but we do a morning family walk. It's it's important. It's super important. Absolutely, and and you're just waking up and you're. You're, you're focusing and you're saying, today, I'm going to focus on this. Today, I'm going to be deliberate. Today, you know, it's about affirmations, meditation, yoga, working out, you know, it, you know, you're doing Bible studies or whatever, you know, nourishing yourself, body, soul, spirit, mind, every part of you. You're trying to touch every part of you, whether you're spending some time learning, reading books. You know, I, I'm learning Spanish. I take a half an hour just to study Spanish every morning. That's part of my morning routine. Yep. You know, wh- whatever it is. It's just being really deliberate about how you're starting your morning. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. I'm a big believer in that. I, some of the people listening to this podcast know that I spent $50,000 in research to identify what are the critical success factors in business. And we went through all the academic journals and we did like a meta-analysis of a meta-analysis. Love it. And what we came up with were eight, and I call them the eight critical success habits because these are things that have to happen consistently. And kind of what you're talking about is the number one, which is self-efficacy. You know, Elon Musk has talked about this, that if you work 100 hours a week and your competitors are working 30 hours a week, you're just going to work them. Self-efficacy is so important because it's it's the leadership, it's the negotiation, it's the communication skills, it's your time management. It's that, like, like you're talking about is waking up with intent and priming yourself so that you can perform at your highest level throughout the day. That's really what it is. And that's such an important thing because if, if you don't show up, no one's going to come in and like, here, let me make your life amazing for you. Like they're kind of going to do that. Like your yoga instructor, your personal trainer will try, but no one can do your push-ups for you. Your dietitian can make you a meal, but they can't eat it for you. So I love that you're talking about that. So the first one was self-efficacy. Then we had strategic planning, market intelligence, marketing strategy, sales strategy and skills, money management, business operations, and business intelligence. And these eight pivotal categories can be broken into a lot of subcategories. But it just speaks to what you're saying, like talking about being organized. That's such an important thing. Talking about the sales, talking like when you, even the way you built out your money tree speaks to these eight, because you're talking about first developing the product and focusing on your customers. That's market intelligence, right? That's, that's being really clear on what people want, why they're buying, making sure that they're happy and then building it back into product development, which is also more marketing intelligence, right? Um, just being really in tune with what people want, why they want to buy it. And then you talk about sales, which is really developing what your messaging is and, and having that conversation and identifying the pain point and the value of solving that pain for people. And then backing it into mm. now strategic partnerships. When I are getting into marketing system, marketing strategy, you're learning out the scope of the market if you didn't know it already. And then you build into that, right? And now you've got your money management, it's advertising like you're talking about. If you don't know your base, best benchmark numbers, you got to get there. So anyways, I just love what you yeah. said. I love what you're about. I love how you stepped out. Yeah. And it, 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 it there's even a, a subtlety to it. When, yeah. you, when you think about with so many entrepreneurs, and this is something I had to learn later on in my journey, but it, it's the art of being ambitious and content mm-hmm. at the same time, right? So being highly productive, but not having that productivity tied to some sort of like unmet drive that's inside of you. Mm -hmm. So you're not driving from an attitude perspective. You're driving from an organized 
management perspective. Like, so it really comes down to organization and discipline create freedom and peace. So the way that I work with my clients, and this is one of the best compliments I ever received was I go to work, I knock out my success list for the day, and then I go home earlier and I spend time with my family and I don't have a million things wandering around on my mind because I executed surgically that day. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just holding it all in my mind like some sort of crazy circus. Yeah. It's like letting, letting it all go, getting it very clean, very organized, just saying all the way down to the day. Today, we're doing this. Boom, hit it, go home, right? Yeah. Not just this crazy, res- constant ambition that just leaves people you know, not winning at life. And I, yeah. I define winning at life as having the most small days full of love, joy, and peace. I love that. That's so well said. Where do you think the future of things are going? Like thinking about how businesses changed, about technology and software, and now everyone's been pushed online. Do you think that there's any big disruptions or changes coming in how we do business? Is machine learning, is that going to distract? Like, do you think it's going to impact things much? You think five, 10 years from now, we'll be doing business differently in any way, shape, or form? I, I mean, I, I don't know the exact timeline on this, but what I do know is that, you know, if you think about a machine, you think about what AI is about to do. It's not quite there yet. It's, it's right. working into it. But at some point, AI is going to uh, just imagine a, a AI, like a, a machine that has read everything on Google. Every right. book that has ever been written, that's right. the level of intelligence. So right. the, the, the AI is going to solve every problem in every industry. And then the AI is going to be smart enough to know and analyze and say, if I solve the problem of cancer, the world's population is going to do X and Y, I am not going to solve this problem, right? So it's going to start solving problems, and then it's going to start deliberately not solving problems in our best interest. And then at some, hopefully it'll continue to operate in our best interest. That's always the question. But at the end of the day, I think that us as a human population, when, when all the jobs, a lot of the jobs start to get massively efficient, because right now we're, we're just wildly inefficient as a human race. Right. Like the, the distribution of resources is just, is just really quite massively inefficient. But right. once AI starts to solve these problems and we, and we move towards a thing where we don't need to work so much, you know, maybe working two or three days a week is the norm, or maybe just getting on universal income at some point where it's like, we don't need to work. Like, what do we want to do with our time? I think we're going to see two camps evolve. One is going to be people going completely uh, out, which is going to be the VR and it's going to be, you know, like people just going into this virtual world and, you know, they're just going to spend their time in this virtual world. And then we're going to see the opposite where it's people going in and right. that's like the burning man camp. Yeah. It's going to be the growth through love camp, <laughs> right? Where it's like people going out, people going in, because if you have all this free time, like, how do you spend that time? Right. You know, and I think people are going to start being able to really explore passions and, and creativity and, and it's just going to be a new world. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take to get there. I don't think we're going to be there in 10 years. But but it is exciting to know that we get to watch this thing unfold. And, and, and even just like right now, I think where we're getting to right now is a lot of companies are saying, we don't need to run so fast. You know, it's okay if our, if our employees work four days a week 
and we give them three-day weekends, that's great. That's such a blessing for them. And sure, we're not moving quite as fast as an organization, but why do we need to, right? Right. As long as we're competing, I'm not saying we don't need to compete and everything, but we don't need to sprint for the sake of sprinting. Right. Like, let's, let's stop and smell the roses because, you know, what are we running after? We're running on this hamster wheel. You know, right. and they ask Rock. They they ask Rockefeller, "How much money is enough money?" And he said, "Just a little bit more." <laughs> right? I mean, it's just, it's just, and the hamster wheel is just—it's a wheel, but it's increased stimulus for decreased satisfaction. Right at the top of the wheel is fleeting happiness, followed by anxiety and depression. Right, and, and it's just like you just run on this hamster wheel, going nowhere. It's like yep. everyone wants to feel better, but we just need to be better at feeling. And how do you get better at feeling? You practice. That's all about the morning routine. It's your, your practice. That's why I'm like, affirmations are so important. I thought it was such a weird thing at first, but then I realized I'm just practicing. It's like the practice of gratitude every morning. Every morning, I just sit and I just think of everything I'm grateful for. And I practice feeling joy because gratitude creates joy, right? I always think of my level of consciousness as how much joy can I feel by looking at a flower? And I, and I look at, I look at a company and I say, I think that we should measure corporate maturity, not in profits, but rather in the footprint of their love. How many customers, how many team members, how many people has this company made feel? Right, 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 right. Corporate, yeah, you know, the the measure of corporate maturity should be, should be love. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, money, money is... It's important. It's important, but it's not everything. I think Kanye always said it best, you know, having money is not everything, but not having it is. And that's where it's like, but if we have food, water, shelter taken care of, well, then after that, it's about exploring ourselves or the world, spending time with people we care about and pursuing our creative interests. I I say it like this, the intersection of the known and the unknown at that intersection of the known and the unknown is infinite potential. Right. And just like that in an organization at the intersection of love and money is infinite potential. As a matter of fact, I do a whole one hour talk called love and money. And, and the whole premise of the talk is a company as a company, you have three things to do. Number one, drive love into your customer and it creates higher per customer value. Number two, drive love into your team, creates more productive employees. And number three, drive love into your prospects, creates more new customers. Mm-hmm. That's how you tie love and money together. Mm-hmm. And that's the core framework of our management system. Our management system is built on those three pillars. I love it's like that. as an organization, we're going to focus on these three things. I love that so much. Christopher, this has been such a good call. There's so much good in this call. People may want to listen to it again. Is there anything I didn't ask you? I should have asked you. You know, I think we, I think, you know, I, I, I think we covered a lot of great points. I, I hope it's a, a blessing to everyone that's listening to this. I hope you, it's created a little bit of clarity because at the end of the day, there's, there's nothing that is more valuable than clarity. Hmm. Because it's like when you have a little bit of clarity, even if you had one aha moment saying, I'm spending too much time on branding and I need to move down the money tree. Just that one little aha moment could, could make all the difference for yep. someone. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, Jim Rohn's got this great quote. He's like, if someone's going in the wrong direction, they don't need motivation because now you just have a motivated idiot. What they need is an education to turn them around and point them in the right direction. And um, yeah, so I love that. I love that so well. So everyone that's listening, go check out Christopher Friend's stuff. It's fantastic. Go to growththroughlove.com. It's growth. 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 Love. Love. Yeah. Growth, T-H, through love.com. Go check it out. Sign up for that. Make the donation. Help save some kids and get some modeling done for your business. It's fantastic. I'm a huge advocate of it and I couldn't recommend the services uh, more highly. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you.